the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. This piece, I wonder how long it was in the making for you. I know you're a deep thinker and you're very good at the 30,000-foot view, but this was maybe the most complete read of the disintegration of the country that I've ever seen you write or comment on. Can you talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I write two columns a week, and you never know which ones are going to come easily or difficult or how people are going to react to them. So that one, I think it was just sort of written out of frustration, and I looked at the world around me, both in my immediate vicinity and then abstractly as I gathered the news. So it came pretty naturally. And it Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Came to the conclusion that We've got a lot of fundamental challenges that are starting to encroach on our freedom and our basic way of living, our ability to live as we want. And that's kind of new for modern America. And by that, I mean, whether it's here in California and to be, to be able to drive safely or to go to San Francisco safely or to um, think that People cannot walk out of stores without paying for their merchandise. Uh, just basic things, and especially where I live in the rural San Joaquin Valley, some of the things that we've always taken for granted that people would all follow the law, that when we meet people, we would have common, we would all speak the same language or we would have a common reference. All these things are starting to break down. And as I travel around the United States, it seems to be true of a lot of places as well. Barack Obama in particular, uh, Victor, is is a figure that I, I, I believe may, maybe, maybe is the most consequential figure, at least in modern political history, maybe in our lifetimes and not for the better. I, I don't know if you agree with the view that he's essentially a shadow president or not. That's my sense of it. I really sense he has a, a firm hand or grasp, or at least his influence does, on what we're watching right now. Do you? Yeah, I think he does. And I think that was made clear with a recent 
interview of his premier biographer, David Garrow, when he pointed out that unlike most presidents, Obama moved his primary residence right where he had served in the White House. So it's at Calorama. So he never really left Washington. And then, as you know, he made that kind of Freudian slip when he said his his greatest uh, dream would be to be in the basement or in his own home and just dial in the presidency and have kind of a surrogate do it. And he wouldn't have to do all the bothersome ceremonial aspects of the presidency, which he didn't like. He would just be able to rule by fiat. He kind of laughed about that. But as Gerald pointed out, that was kind of a an insight to how he views what he's doing right now. And I think he does. I think he and Michelle Obama, from appointments to rallying people in the leftist community to pressuring uh, Biden on policy, um, I don't. That's not the right word, actually. Pressure. I think that by suggesting to Biden policies uh, that he expects to be implemented, so I think, yeah, I think he's de facto. I don't think he's upset at all at Joe Biden this challenge. In fact, I think he would want him to run for re-election. It it seems so obvious when you see even things like you know the last twenty four hours. Joe Biden asked, "Do you have any comments on Maui?" And he just sheepishly crawls in the back of the car and says no comment i mean something as simple as that i politically victor in any normal time in history this would be that, that's your political death knell to be the president of the united states and have nothing to say about a state on fire it would i think in a very paradoxical sense that we've come to the point where everybody seems to be in agreement that he's cognitively challenged and in a weird way, that kind of aids his inability to conduct the presidency because our first reaction is that's callous or that's shocking or that's ignorant. And then the second reaction is, well, of course, he's not cognitively able, so we can't really judge him as we would most presidents. And I think that's kind of we've lowered the bar so much. Um, and then on the case of the left, they're so still obsessed with Donald Trump and their hatred of him. I think their attitude is we don't really care how poor a President Obama, uh, Biden is or to what degree he's not able to fulfill the duties of the presidency as long as he's not Trump. Victor, and so yeah. we're in a weird situation right now. Victor Davis Hanson uh, writes with regularity, uh, and you should go to his website, by the way, victorhanson.com, and follow him on Twitter, VD Hanson. Uh, the impetus for this particular conversation was this important remaking of America piece you wrote, which I just loved. I mean, everything you write, I love, but uh, this particular one was so smart. And I, one of the themes of the last week for me has been the fact that so many people, Victor, don't know to trust who to trust. They don't feel there are many they can trust. There's been such a de-evolution of journalism uh, to the extent there is any anymore. The vacuum is filled with a lot of people's, uh, I hate to dismiss it as conspiracy because I understand it, but I hear more of it than ever before. I'm sure you do too. When when we're constantly receiving gaslighting, uh, half-truths, news being buried, collusion with government official Washington to keep things quiet, people start to fill that vacuum quickly, Victor. They do, and I think they're frustrated because they're not only feeling that gaslighting or that lack of trust in the institutions, they get the impression that the people who are doing this don't care either. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, if a Dr. Fauci lies under oath, 
about gain-of-function research, he expects us to accept that, even though he knows he lied. And when you look at the last four FBI directors, Mueller, Comey, McCabe, and Ray, they've either all lied under oath, especially in the case of McCabe, but also Comey with this amnesia, or Mueller feigning ignorance about the dossier, or John Brennan lying under oath, or James Clapper lying under oath. And when you see Merrick Garland in the appointment, I mean, it was almost as if he wanted to tell America, I'm going to get Joe Biden through his first term, whether you like it or not. And I'm going to put this Mr. Weiss here because he's got a record of shielding Hunter Biden. I'm going to elevate elevate him by his title. And you can't do anything about it. And I don't really care whether he's inside or outside government. I don't really care whether he's under suspicion of his prior plea bargaining or plea deal that a judge threw out. I just don't care. And you get get over it. And that's sort of the argument that our permanent administrative state and the left has. They don't even try to hide it anymore. And it's even on January 6th, we're learning now that a lot of the important documentation videos was uh, abolished, destroyed after the breakup of the committee. And now we're learning that the head of the Capitol Police sort of agrees with the New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, Mr. Rosenberg, who said that there were FBI informants all over January 6th. And anybody who had said that was considered a conspiracist. Now we're hearing the medical community all of a sudden says, ivermectin is not horse medicine. You, it's a legitimate alternate use of a, of a labeled drug. Or yes, there were some uh, serious consequences from vaccinations. And yes, they may not have been. So all of this comes out, but never with an apology that you're not crazy for thinking this when we tried to destroy you. And that's what's really, um, that breeds conspiracy thinking because when people in the government or positions of authority attack somebody for expressing an opinion that's logical and rational, that person knows that he will be eventually probably substantiated or confirmed in his belief, but he's going to pay an enormous price in the meantime. And then the people who try to suppress free expression, they never pay the consequences. So we just take it as an example that James Baker, the chief counsel of the FBI, was paying in charge of getting money to Twitter to suppress information that was true about the laptop right before the election. And when he succeeded, he just went to the general counsel of Twitter. Instead of making a quarter million dollars with the FBI, he made eight million dollars from Twitter the next year. And we're, we're just we just to the extent that we even know about that, we just and that's everyday things like that. And so that's why there's a I guess there's a popular revolt now, whether it's manifested with these new uh, bluegrass or country western songs. Yes. Or there are there the boycott of Bush or uh, Anheuser-Busch or Target or Disney or just sort of mass uh, noncompliance with certain things in American culture. Nobody watches the Emmys, the Oscars, the Tonys anymore. They don't. The NBA uh, audience is televised. It's just dramatic. It's about 10 percent, 20 percent of what it was 30 years ago. I think so. I think. Yeah, I think there's a reaction to all of this. And Victor, I what I've struggled to quantify and maybe it doesn't matter or maybe it does. I don't Or maybe this is just terribly naive of me. 
there used to be things, certain things that you just trusted. You you trusted medicine, you know, if the CDC or the FDA said something, maybe you never did. I don't know. Maybe this is me speaking naively, but I used to think the Department of Justice and the FBI were the good guys and medical people were the good guys. And there were just certain things that as a country we could rally around and say, well, all right, this is chaotic or this is divisive or this is messy, but these people mean us well and they're all rowing in the same direction for our common good. I, I don't have a single thing like that other than my church home, Victor, in my life anymore. I'll speak for myself, but I doubt I stand alone. And that's a terrible problem for the country. No, it, it is. It is. And it's not just government. I think you assume that when you re- when you see which movie won the Oscar, that that was not the best movie. Yeah. That, that award was given on ideological grounds. Or when you watch the women's soccer team, you expect it to be a performance art pre-match political messaging. And everybody's become, and that adds up. So people feel there's two universes, kind of like living in the Soviet Union in the 1950s or Eastern Europe, where there was the official veneer that everything is normal. But privately, everybody was so cynical. They just assumed that whatever they were told, they should believe the opposite. And so when Mary Garland now says that Mr. Weiss will be a disinterested and fair special counsel, everybody's reaction is that's confirmation that he won't and that's very dangerous because if you have it in a free society if you have half or more of the population so cynical then it gets to the point where no one trusts anything and and um so i guess and there's also another thing and i think i was trying to convey that in the article that this is not just individual cynicism it starts to be collective and it starts to impair the the actual working of society. So when you look at something like the Maui disaster and how that could have been prevented, or when you look at these near misses in airlines that we're seeing increasingly uh, common, or you see what happened in East Palestine and neglect of it, you get the impression that if you have an administrative state or elected officials or a popular culture, it's entirely ideological and it's not based on merit or competency, but just politics, race, ideology, then it, 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 it's sort of like outside the United States in Latin America or Asia or Africa where things don't work. And when you look at, you can see it with crime and shoplifting, smash and grab, carjacking, the open border. It's just the result of all that is chaos. And I don't know how to arrest it, but people are going to have to stand up and uh, and just say no that was, to to a yeah, lot of things. That was my I, – I could keep you and talk all day, but I, I don't want to abuse our time, and I'd love to have you back. So I'll, I'll close by asking you, do you – do you despair? Do you have hope? Because I often I will get emails like, well, the only solution is secession, Chris. Uh, we'll have to break apart as a country. I, I, I don't know. Are you fatalist? Can we pull back? Is this Rome? Uh, is, you know, what are we living and can it be fixed? Well, there's periods of long renaissance in Rome or Byzantium, and it can be fixed, but it requires everybody to sort of be just according to their station to the degree they can do it feasibly and without career or life destruction, they have to speak up and just say, you can call me any name in the world, homophobic, nativist, transphobe, racist, sexist. It has no meaning anymore. I'm sorry. 
and speak out. And I think that's starting to happen, uh, as as you see with these people just say, you know, you can go ahead and do have your Bud commercials, but just count me out. I'm not. I'm done with it. And uh, or these country songs that you see that out of nowhere, for the first time in history, some obscure singer has the number one and number two songs in the nation. So there's a an anger there, and I think people are starting to say, if we don't speak up. And I think it has to be channeled politically. A lot of people have kind of a monastery of the mind where they just sort of drop out. And I think that's happened. I think now everybody, everybody, they have to to register to vote. They have to volunteer to watch the vote. They should give money to the particular traditionalist or conservative candidate or cause. But they have to get involved because if they don't, they're going to lose the country because they don't have any idea what they're up against. This is globalized wealth of a magnitude we've never seen before. And, you know, $9 trillion of market capitalization in Silicon Valley. When you see a Sam Bankman Freed or what Mark Zuckerberg did with $419 million in the last election, those are pretty formidable odds. But we have the people, this is the majority doesn't like what's going on. They just have to, challenge these institutions, media, sports, corporate boardroom, Silicon Valley, popular culture. And they can do it because they're the majority on every issue. But they, they have to be seen and heard. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.